0: Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, we have Todd Van Duzer. Todd is an inspirational leader, entrepreneur, world traveler, and if you ask me, he's probably one of the most interesting men in the world. He has a great story to tell, and he if you're out there and you have yet to find out what you want to do in life, he'll, he'll show you that he was there, and once he realized what he wanted to do with his life, he really started focusing in on what he wanted and he just started killing it. We talk about when he was in high school, he started a business, a tutoring business. He helped other students. He was making some pretty good money at 16 years old. And then he decided he wanted to travel all over the world. He traveled in 33 different countries. He shares the experiences he had and what he learned from that. He really found out who he was as a person and what he wanted to do with his life, which set him up for many successes along the way. He goes over his college experiences where he actually got over $85,000 in college scholarships. Now, if I was a kid in college right now, I'd want to listen to this. I wish I would have had him when I was in college. I didn't get any scholarships. And he, he talks about the strategies he took to get these scholarships and how he did it. That is one thing you're going to want to tune into. And then we talk about the company run. He's got Student Tutor, a very successful tutoring company that has helped clients nationwide skyrocket their grades and test scores. And then we go into he's also founded a nonprofit, Yoga and More in the Park. It's a free weekly community event with over 1,000 members. And then Monduzer, a pretty awesome international music and arts festival that he decided to do too. He is doing a lot of different things. In this show, you're going to learn about running the company. You're going to learn about how to get scholarships. You're going to learn about creating your own tribe, a nonprofit, or putting on an event. And he's going to tell you just the importance of setting goals, smart goals. Todd's a great person. He has a lot of great advice, and you should really listen to him. You're going to enjoy this show. But before we get started, I want to tell you about my book. Yes, I know. I've told you many times. My book, Keys to the Crowd, Unlocking the Power of Crowdfunding. It's on Amazon. Check it out. Please, order the book. It'll be well worth your time. I promise you. If you read the book and you don't like it, you call me up and I will give you your money back and I'll even give you a free hour consultation. That's coming from me. I know you're going to enjoy the book. It's going to give you any everything you need about crowdfunding, teach you how to create a successful crowdfunding campaign Talks about my fun formula, and it has some marketing tips in there that are killer tips. I mean, these are tips that I've learned from seeing other people get successful campaigns, and also myself how to get national media attention. Please check out my book, Keys to the Crowd: Unlocking the Power of Crowdfunding. You can get it on Amazon today. I guarantee you, you won't regret it. Now let's jump in and learn about the most interesting man in the world, Todd Vanduzer. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have a special guest. We have Todd Van Duser. This guy is 25 years old. He is motivated and he's doing many things right now. Uh, the, the best way to describe you, Todd, is the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> when I go through your profile and you look, you started multiple companies. You do rock climbing. You, you have concerts. I mean, you do everything. So I'm excited. I want to get all, go over all this because it's perfect for our audience, for the young college market. I want to start off by hearing about your background. Where did you get started as a young entrepreneur growing up and how it led to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so um, the earliest moment, I guess, my entrepreneur endeavor starts probably when I was three years old. <laughs> so I'm sure I can remember when you're young and stuff, your parents come up with these really cool little, at least they, my parents did, come with these cool little games and stuff where you get you motivated to do your chores, to do your homework, or I guess I didn't have homework at the time, but to do my chores and to listen and to yeah. be a good kid, as parents would say. And they gave me stickers to get up to a certain prize. Um, well, that prize I remember being um, – I had a couple choices for the prize, and um, originally I wanted a hamster because my really good friend had a hamster, and I don't know, a hamster (laughs) is a really cool thing to have when you're like three, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And I really wanted a hamster, and I started getting up those points, and it worked. It was so hard, and finally I got there, and I remember seeing this little uh, toy cashier machine, and I changed my mind from wanting a hamster to getting a cashier machine, just because I just really liked the idea of like pushing buttons and having the little thing come out and. Handling money, and I think that's really where the entrepreneurship started. So it's never something like my parents pushed on me. Never something that um, it was just a natural inclination. I had a proclivity towards business from an early age, and that's the earliest age I remember of uh, really having a. I guess you're uh, almost a
0: new- born an entrepreneur. Yeah, pretty much. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, as a kid too, like me selling uh, lemonade, everything. I mean, that that develops into your professional life. And starting at a young age, you got an advantage over a lot of other people. Some people don't discover that they're an entrepreneur until their 20s or 30s. Mm-hmm. So, tell me when you got to high school and moving into college, how did that kind of change who you were and what you did? When you mean who I was and what I did, like, so decide. as an entrepreneur, what, what things did you do in high school or college that were entrepreneurial? Did you run any kind of businesses? Or did you do sports? What, was, what did you focus on during that time in your life? Sure. So I'll rewind a little bit before that so because it leads into it.
1: Um, in fourth grade is when I had my first little business uh, per se. I went door to door on the weekends and uh, knocked on people's houses and basically would do anything they wanted as far as mowing the lawn, as far as cleaning their houses or whatever. And I had several clients throughout my neighborhood that I went to um, from fourth and fifth grade. Uh, when I moved into middle school, I had saved enough money from that um, that at that point I decided I was a big tennis player. So I played all the time competitively, and a lot of my friends and the people I play with they'd break their strings. When you play tennis, uh, the strings would break usually, and so yeah. you break the strings. You have to take it to Sports Authority or another um, area in order to get them fixed, and it's like so. I, so I was like, man, that's pretty expensive. I was like, I wonder how much these strings cost. So I looked them up online. I was like, three bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks of really high quality ones. I was like, oh, they're making like, you know, $25, $30. I just have to buy that machine. So then I started looking online and I found the machine. It was like $850. It was a good machine. It wasn't the highest quality, but it was quality for what I needed. And so I decided, I'm going to buy that machine with the money I had saved. So I went ahead and bought that machine, bought a bunch of strings, made some business cards, and then I played tennis. Every single time I was done playing i go up and give them my business cards. Like, Hey, when you break your strings, you come to me, you break it the store $30, me 20. So I make, they say 10 bucks. I'd be making like $15. Took me about 45, 30 minutes to 45 minutes to string a racket for a note oh, by the end of eighth grade. I had like 10 rackets a week. It's making pretty good money at that point. Stringing people's rackets. They're happy. I get the faster turnaround than anyone else. They give it to me. I get that. I get them that racket back in two to three days. And I'd also, little sometimes for my good customers that came often, I'd always, once in a while, just surprise them with a really high-quality string, which made sure they came back and made sure they continued to talk about my business. So that was my first business. And then I saved up a bunch of money, and I remember in eighth grade going, what am I going to do with this money?
0: (laughs) Exactly. What am I
1: going to do with this? So instead of buying an Xbox or something like most of my friends probably would have at that time, I asked my dad, dad, I want to start investing this. What would I do? My dad's a pilot. He doesn't know who that is. He'll admit it himself. So what he does, he goes and asks his financial advisor, and he goes, hey, uh, my kid wants to do this. What do you recommend? He's like, "Read. have him read this book. It was a Motley full investment book. Yeah. So that summer, going into eighth grade, I probably read six, seven, eight investment books. In eighth grade? Yeah. I wow. Did. Yeah. So. I remember reading Jim Cramer's investment book, talking about the stock market, Motley Fool, a bunch of different things, how to read financial reports, and then going into ninth grade, I started. I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal. I used to wake up every morning, you no, know, in the evenings I watched the Wall Street Journal. Every evening, I'd read the Wall Street Journal. Did this for about a year and a half, forty-five minutes every morning. I wake up and listen to conference calls, um, conference calls as far as a quarterly reports of different stock companies I was investing in, and I would trade daily. Um, I invested in the stock market. Um, I did all right. I lost a little bit here and there. I mean, I wouldn't say I was a professional at it by any means. Granted, I was in ninth grade just playing around. But what it did teach me, taught
0: me a lot about how much I did not like investing. (laughs) What what would be your, your biggest tips? Because I've done money in the stock market and let my emotions get involved and lost money. But what would be your biggest tips to somebody out there who does put money in stock? Because I just spoke at a college and this kid's like, yeah, I'm putting money and playing at the stock market. But what would so, you say to them?
1: You can't beat the market. You can't <laughs> exactly. Play. I mean, people think they can all the time, but if you think you can, you're gambling, I guess, and you're just getting lucky. Um, just because, in the end, what it comes down to is there's no arbitrage. And if you, for investors out there that know what arbitrage is, arbitrage is basically a weakness in the market where the price is not completely where it's supposed to be. You know, be worth forty-two dollars, and you get four you're automatically gain. With everything being public so much and like everyone being consistently investing and constantly looking at the different trading options, if you look at from specifically if I, from a financials point of view, looking at PE ratios and different types of earnings and analyzing this, this, and this, you can't beat it. Over time, you're going to get what the market gets you. And, you know, 8% is still pretty good. That's still pretty solid. But for those that think, oh, I'm going to get 20% percent year year return over and over again, yeah, maybe you may for a while. But once you start dealing with big numbers, you're not going to. Um, and I'm not the one saying this. It's not just coming from me, my professors in college, um, who studies this and understands it. And it makes perfect sense. Like, how could you think that you could beat market when you have people on wall street working on a daily basis? And that's what they do is they analyze the company investing. unless you have insider at the market and might be great for you. But really, I personally believe all you're doing in the stock market investing is you're helping keep the market at equilibrium. And for me, that's not fulfilling. So Great. No. You're helping keep the market clear. Because that's what you're doing, is you're just prices of a stock in order to put them at the right value of what the company's worth. And for me, I guess, um, I really want to do more, uh, make a benefit to human beings and to uh, individuals. And like I think financial investing, um, through investment and everything, I learned that's just not something for me. Um, and maybe for
0: you. And it's definitely needed in the world. Um, but that's just my, uh, my, I guess, food of thought there. agree man. So a side note there on investing, uh, a great book or audio if you want to listen is Mastering the Money Game by Tony Robbins. If you do want to get into the investment world, great book to cover but I'm like you man, it's not my thing. I invest in my own ideas, my own business and it's more fulfilling for me because you can actually help people with what they're doing. So obviously you figured out investing's not for you. What was for you? What did you lead to from there?
1: Yeah. So after that, i then led into the tutoring. Um, I started tutoring a bunch of students myself. I think I was in 10th grade or so. By putting flyers, because I was really good at math. Um, I've always been really good at math. Me too. I love math. So yeah. So I mean, I don't know how it started, but I think I started tutoring someone, charging 20, 25 an hour, something along those lines. Put some signs on the road before I knew I had a bunch of clients. And I was tutoring like eight clients a week um, in high school. It was like two hours a day after cross-country and track. So I go to school, do cross-country, track to like, you know, six, seven, go tutor till eight, nine, come home, do homework. Um, so that was max I could do it was about two clients a day. And so at that, that point, I was like, what do I do? I have more clients calling me. I don't want to like turn them down. So then I was like, huh. I, I got grounded, actually. That's what happened. I don't forget what I got grounded for, but it was awesome because I was grounded and me, I don't like to sit around and do nothing. So I was like, what am I going to do with this time? So I was like, I'm going to start hiring my friends. So I started writing up these contracts and I still have them to this day. They're really funny to look at because <laughs> they're, <really, laughs> they're really not well done.
0: <laughs> you were so, 16 um, at this time? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, I got this. I'm going to make this business
1: start trapping up these contracts and stuff. And then I remember going up to my friends, like, you guys want to work for me?
0: <laughs> oh my God.
1: give me a hard, hard time about it. But like, yeah, right. And some of my friends were like, hell yeah, I want to make $15 an hour because that's what I was paying. I was paying $15, charging $25. And so I got some friends to tutor for me um, and then the clients continued to come in. I put signs on the road and I hand them off to them and uh, they tutor and I invoice them at the end of the month. I pay the tutor through QuickBooks. I learned how to do QuickBooks. I learned how to create a DBA, a fictitious business name. I learned about how to file my taxes. I learned about a bunch of other stuff and the business continued to grow and um I started doing really well. Uh continued to do that all throughout high school. Um it actually led me to apply to a lot of entrepreneurial scholarships that were available my senior year. Yeah. Um I really nailed down the scholarship application process, ended up earning over eighty five thousand dollars in scholarships that year, which was pretty cool.
0: In one um, year. Huh? All in one year?
1: Yeah, yeah. Applied to a lot of scholarships. But um I think a lot of it was because of that business and it really made me stand out from the crowd cuz I had a really strong GPA in college, high school I had like a 4.3 decent scores um I was captain of the cross country team good runners very very and good runner and then so but with that business on side of it I honestly could have earned so many more thinking back on it but my essay was really made me stand out and I think that's the biggest thing for any high schoolers if they're listening or um, is like make yourself stand out as far as the um, application process goes. And that goes for college as well when you're applying to jobs or applying to scholarships. It's not as much as your background as well as how you can brand yourself and how you can portray yourself on that piece of paper and that essay that you write. And that's what really allowed me to get so many scholarships.
0: So tell me, tell somebody that knows nothing about getting scholarships, what does the process consist of? Because this is something I didn't do very well at. So
1: the process consists of first finding them and then applying to discovering them. Then you apply a bunch of them. And so what holds people back on the entire application process, I think, is they know where they all exist. It's just that first scholarship takes so long. And you're like, man, so many people are probably applying to it. I don't want to take all that time. I may not get it. But you have to get over that hump and just apply to that first one. It's going to take you a long time to apply to that first one. It may take you a long time to apply a second one. But over time, what you're going to realize is the questions are pretty much identical from scholarship to scholarship to scholarship. They just word, word things slightly different. So one may be like, how do you overcome this challenge in your life? Another is going to be like, so what challenges have you had in your life? And how do you overcome them? It's literally almost word for word. And so over time, after you start applying to these scholarships, you start realizing they're the same. So you can start reusing your essays and you gra- develop a database of essays, let's say, you know, four or five ones you use over and over again. And you put them into this new essay, you tweak it a little bit to fit that specific scholarships, needs, and objectives by analyzing the company, figuring out what their core values are, figuring out who's going to be analyzing your essay and really adhering it towards your target market or that crowd, branding yourself accordingly, that's going to fit best for that audience. And then you apply to it. And so, <laughs> I wish I had you earlier. <laughs> it doesn't take that. It's not hard to get a ton. And like I said, like I got 85000 I could have got so much more. I wish I would have applied to more knowing now. But the truth is, it's like you apply to one, you apply to two. Before you know it, you're making $500,000 an hour easy. Um, because all you have to do is write a couple of really good essays. And if you're not really sure how to write a good essay, how to make it marketable, find someone that does. Know how how to do that. Have them coach you. Have them help develop it. And after you get a couple there, you're set. Keep, keep using What's the exercises. largest
0: uh, scholarship you've received? I got one for forty dollars.
1: Um, it was an entrepreneurship scholarship, and they actually flew us out to Indiana, where I met a couple of my really good friends, still to this day, Will Kern and Zach Hamilton, which are both entrepreneurs as well. And they flew us out with a hundred other entrepreneurs across the U.S. Um, and had like this really cool three-day retreat out there, where we uh, integrate met with people, had team building meetings, and. Um, it was really cool to see how many other young entrepreneurs are out there, and I think it really inspired me
0: to uh, want to push
1: myself harder and push myself further. So,
0: yeah. Dude, dude that's awesome. So, what did you, uh, going through college, what would be the biggest thing you took away from college and how it set you up for your future?
1: Yeah, so college was an interesting period for me, honestly. Um, there's a good, throughout pretty much, I'll say my Freshman year I was pretty driven, but after that, I went through about like a four year slump, where I mean, I wasn't too driven. I yeah. was very yeah. much lost per se, and I think it was a very uh, good experience to have on my part. Um, throughout all of middle school, high school I was very driven. All I was just really focused and on everything I did with my grades, with my athletics, with my work, everything. My freshman year, I was pretty driven as well, and then what happened is, I think what really triggered it changed things a lot, which was for the best was um, January of my freshman year of college, I um, found out I could fly for free. Well, I knew I could always fly for free, but I never knew I could do it on my own without my parents, because my dad was a pilot. That changed everything. You mean, I mean you, you could go burn... on the plane with your dad and fly wherever? Well, I didn't even have to have with him and with me. I could go on my own. Wow. So. My first trip was, I was, I found this out like around the end of December and January, I decided every couple of weeks, I'm going to go visit another friend, at a different college and just kind of meet them. So I was talking to my buddy Sonny on the phone and we were just kind of chatting back and forth and I was like, man, we really should go to Europe this summer. And he's like, yeah, I was trying to plan a trip to Europe because I really want to get out of the country because I had never really been. And we're like chatting back and forth and then I'm like, you know what? because I was thinking about visiting him a couple weeks, but I was like, you know what? Let me get back to you. Let me get back to you. He's like, what do you mean? I, I got to look something up. I hung up. I went online through my dad's portal. He showed me how to do it. I was like, I wonder if his airline flies to London. So I look it up. I'm like, holy crap. I can go to London for free. So I'm like, I look at my school schedule and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I call him. I'm going to go to London in three days. Like, what are you? you he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, I'll send you a postcard, man. <laughs> and so I, hung up. I called my mom. I was like, mom, mom, I'm going to London. I need you to overnight my passport. She's like, you're not going to London. You have school, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mom, no, I'm going to London. Please overnight me my passport. So she overnights me my passport. She overnights me my passport. And three days later, I have a backpack with my stuff on my way to London. No plans, nothing booked, nothing. I get off the plane my first time in the country ever, you know, out of the country. Yeah. I get off the plane, I get on a train, and I remember going and sitting next to people going, I'm 19 at the time. <sighs> do you know where some hostels are at? And they're <laughs> looking at me, they're like, what do you mean? Like, you know, a place to stay tonight. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Who are you with? I'm like, I'm traveling. Traveler. I'm traveling on my own. <laughs> nice. Finally find a place to go to this hostel. Crazy experience. But the point of the story, which leads me to, is after that trip, I got this travel button. I started traveling a year about six times. That and when you start traveling a lot and you haven't developed a company yet that's fully sustainable, that can sustain itself, you have roles in place that are systematic, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. exactly what happened that year. My company fell apart. Um, I was making pretty good money, good enough to sustain myself. I had a pretty good scholarship. So I'd be traveling to Europe, throwing down money, spending it in ways I probably shouldn't have spent it, like <laughs> just going to bars and buying drinks for everyone. But you know what? It was good. It was a good experience because it taught me what
0: I want. What is the biggest takeaway? What is the biggest things you have learned from traveling? You said you've been to 33 countries. What have you learned most about yourself? I learned my mission in life. I learned what I want. I learned what makes me tick. And I learned what makes me doesn't
1: tick. I learned what to stay away from and what to put myself through. I've learned my core values of being driven by the need to help individuals face their fears and go after what they want. I've realized that I love purity as a core value. I like pure things. I like real people. I don't like materialistic stuff. I don't like money. I used to be so into money before that. I was all about money. I wanted to make hundreds, of thousands of dollars. I want to make millions of dollars. I want to do this, this, and this. Everything was about money. And through traveling, I realized money is not important to me in any way. So true. But, but creation is very important. Um, I want to help people. I want to develop an organization that affects millions of lives and changes things. Um, and I realize I love uncertainty. I love the unknown. I love not knowing what's going to happen the next day. I learned I love adventure. I love going on a side of a cliff and climbing and figuring out how to get through that up point. I love just going out and doing stuff on the fly and having that adventure in my life. And I love connection. I love connecting with people, human beings, and nature at a deeper level. Rather than just having that skin deep relationship, I open myself up, make myself vulnerable, tell people who I am, and if they respond, great. If they don't, oh well. But at least I gave that shot. And through traveling, it allowed me to truly be myself and not be scared of what people think, and honestly, just not give care about what people thought about me and just be who I am. And I think through that four or five year period, which I, I was very um, not focused, not knowing because I didn't know. Yeah. It was a big period in my life. I was just so in the unknown of what I wanted, and I needed that. And I read a lot of books on figuring yourself out, my identity, figuring out who I was. And it took me a really long time to get there. Um, But I remember getting to that point. And once I got to that point, things started shifting real fast. Things started happening. Life started happening. My business started growing. My organizations I was developing started really taking off. My friendships started skyrocketing to such amazing levels of quality friends that I have. And I think a lot of it was just learning to love myself and learning to figure out who I was. And traveling allowed me to do that. Um, So it was like a four or five year period of just unknown of not sure what I wanted and not being completely focused or like on my end objectives.
0: But it was needed to figure out who I was. You know, and just a a point on that, uh, for anybody listening, traveling, and I always talk about this, I travel over the country. When you travel, uh, you learn something about yourself. And you realize, like you said, money money doesn't make you happy. It's the experiences you have that are priceless. And they make you realize what you're on earth to do, what your purpose is. So thank you for saying that because I always urge people to go out and travel because life's too short. Go on that trip, learn something about yourself, and you'll have a lot of fun. So it, it's led you to what you're doing now. So Tell Me, how that led up to doing your company, the student tutor?
1: Yeah, so student tutor take two because, as you said earlier, I had a version number one of the company. Um, after yeah. those years of travel, I uh, realized I dabbled with a couple other businesses along the way. My funds quickly dried up, which happens if your company slowly goes under, yeah, <laughs> in that case, and, and so I was like, okay, well, I need to start making money again. So I was like, well, I during that time, I dabbled a couple other little business ideas and ventures, which didn't go anywhere. Um, and then so I finally went back to tutoring. So I was in California now. I mean, Arizona now. My clientele used to be based in San Diego. So that in that in by that time, it, it all dried up. My business was over. So I was like, okay, well, might as well go back to this. So I started once again just going back ground round one, putting signs on the road, hammering them out, And I started tutoring myself, you know, charging 35, 40 an hour to tutor. And I tutored students just to get by, figuring out what I wanted. And that was also a rough time, too, just because a lot of my friends at that point were in the internships. were doing all this stuff through, like, college, getting ready for that corporate job. And I was like, should I do the internship or should I pick the arm? And for any of you that are kind of not unsure, go with what your gut says. I can't say one's better than the other. Some, it's better to do the internship first than go to the corporate world. Others, it's not. But go with what your gut says. What does your gut say to do? Because at that time, my gut said to say, stick with the entrepreneur around. Stick with your guns here, Todd. This is where you deserve to be. And so it was hard to stick with my guns. But I continued to push it. I got gain clientele. Finally, I was making a little bit more money, enough money to support myself, plus having a little extra to start putting it back into the business. So... That summer, I started training a series of training videos for tutors, which was a complete waste of time. <laughs>
0: that's good but, to know.
1: Yeah, complete waste of time. But that's all entrepreneur life, right? You do something you and it's super on, and you learn from it. Yeah, so I did that, met my student-to-be business partner, and then we started, once again, putting together round two of student tutor, which is going to be better than last one. So it took us several years. To,
0: yeah? Seven years to get to that point?
1: Several, several. I would say it's about three years now. So okay. we're about three years in or maybe four years in, just about four years, I think.
0: Um, and now tell us the height of where your company is now, the potential, and how many people you actually tutor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So about a year ago, year and a half ago, we really figured out our niche. Now was also the turning point of my identity and knowing who I was, my focus. And um, we've grown unbelievably quickly and we're really making a huge impact and what's different compared to our company is anywhere else is not only do we integrate tutoring with college plan, which is very well needed, but we help students develop smart goals that are specific, attainable, realistic, timely, um, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely, and we hold our tutors accountable for it. While other tutor companies, they'll throw out a tutor there and say, Hey, go tutor. We hold our tutors accountable. We care about our tutors by helping them develop smart goals. We care about students by helping them develop smart goals that are three years out, typically related to college, and then we coach them with an advisor to help them get there. So it's very hands-on customized. In doing so, we keep longer than most of our competitors do. And on top of that, we provide a better service overall, having better results because it's a co-created atmosphere with our clients. Right now, I mean, we sign up about two clients a day on average. Wow. And uh, we're really harnessing online tutoring, which is really becoming pretty popular and that's a big thing in business and entrepreneurship is timing. Timing is extremely important. That's going to be one of the most important things for a startup to be successful and not successful. I was actually watching a Ted talk on it yesterday, which had an individual who did a lot of analysis on startups and timing outranked execution and idea um, and business team and everything. And it was investment. And so I think we've hit the correct timing for online tutoring perfectly because I know a couple of years ago, I don't think it was the best time to do it, but now it is. 75% of our clients are online. We receive probably about five to 10 new clients a month from out of the state. And we just started taking clients from out of the state about a year ago. So it's it's crazy how many clients we get now. And it's not even reached its peak. And we've really nailed down our marketing strategy so just to put it in perspective, we're signing up maybe two clients a day, you know, 40 to 50 a month right now. Yeah. And our main hub's mostly just in Phoenix. And that's where the majority of our clients. We plan on replicating this through San Diego, through LA. We're targeting San Diego right now and we're already a rank because we've really figured out our Google marketing strategy to rank quickly in different cities. We already ranked number one for a lot of different keywords out there. So we're starting to get two, three new clients a month from just San Diego alone. We plan on replicating this to LA, to New York, Minneapolis, all across the U.S., eventually across the world. We have clients contacting us, wanting services from countries like East Asia, um, Central America, because wow. they need SAT prep to get into U.S. schools. So we, our blog gets over 40,000 visits a month, and we haven't even scratched the surface of what we're capable of doing now, um with our blog. And we really understand that content marketing, developing high-quality content, and constantly having it on the web, Will help build us as an authority figure in the industry, and that's what we're really trying to do right now.
0: Yeah, you you guys are clearly you guys are clearly uh, making an impression on people. Now, what kind of Todd, what kind of marketing strategies do you use right now? Are you marketing much to get this attraction? So we don't do any sort of paid advertising right now.
1: We do all content marketing. And content marketing, if people don't know what that is, it makes a lot of sense. It's a very new emerging marketing that. Right now is a great time to get into. What content marketing is, is creating high quality content. So when someone searches on the web, so think of it this way. Be adhered to the eighth to 11th grade audience, mostly, as far as academics go. If someone types in "top math websites, because they need some help with math, or they type in SAT prep tips, they're not searching yet for a tutoring service, but... They're in that top of the funnel. They're starting to get aware. If our articles constantly pop up, student tutors all is out there. And then we have a lead capture of some really cool ebook or something they want that's also high quality content. We get them on your email list where they read our high quality content on a weekly basis. They see it on Facebook. They see it on Twitter. They see it on Instagram. We're building brand and awareness. But most importantly, we're building ourselves to be the leaders and authority in an industry where competitors can't just step in and take over that. It takes time to develop a following. It takes time to get that ranking in Google. And if we start now and develop it,
0: that's how we're going to dominate the market. And, and you know, that that's a great point to to talk on. So it's based on the book Utility. The more value that you give to people, the more you get back in return. So you give them a lot of content. And some people are afraid, well, I don't want to give away content for free. Well, we live in a world where there's so much free content online and if you give them enough value content, they'll gain a trust with you and eventually they will need you and then when that time comes, they will hire you. Exactly. And you guys are doing that perfectly right now, especially with the blog and everything else. So anybody out there with your company, the more value you create for people that you just give out there, eventually it'll come back to you and you will gain clientele for your business.
1: And you got to realize too, it's long term. You write a piece of content now, you're not going to see a return on it for probably eight months before it starts ranking Google before it starts really getting traction, it's a long-term strategy. It takes time. It, but when you start getting it down, you start ranking in
0: Google. Your pages will start ranking. People are going to start finding you. Todd, from your experiences, do you have do you have any uh, advice or tips on how to rank high in Google or with SEO?
1: Yeah. So I mean. There's a lot of things that go into factor of it as far as the rank. If you're trying to rank a specific web page as targeting a specific service, um, to put it in a quick, it's, it's pretty complicated, but to put it in a quick nutshell of how you're supposed to do it is, you want, first of all, your keyword to be on the page. Keyword being what you're trying to target. So if I'm trying to target Math Tutoring and Chandler, I want Math Tutoring and Chandler to appear a couple times on that page. Not too much because then Google will see that as like keyword spamming. I want it to be on there. And then I also want my title tag, which is the main title on your page. If you get like a you're using WordPress, you get a plugin like Yoast, it'll show. You put your title tag with that keyword as well. Then the second thing you really want to do is you want to start developing quality links to that website. Quality links meaning links that are unique to your industry that comes to your website. So Google's entire algorithm really kind of is revolves around that. It's a lot more complicated than that now, but It revolves around the notice that if you have people linking to your site, then you must be a quality business. And if you're a quality business, if someone's Googling you, you need a rank.
0: That makes sense. If you really want
1: to learn SEO, I recommend following a blog like Quick Sprout by Neil Patel. Um, He has really, really good content who shows you how to create quality content. That's the reason you want to create a blog and write articles because when you create quality content, people are going to link to it naturally as they're writing other content. And people link to it, that's going to help your webpage rank.
0: I'm surprised you haven't started a podcast. <laughs> are, are any plans in the future? Um, it is something um, we've definitely
1: uh, uh, thought about. It's in our someday maybe list. So here at Student Tutor, as well as my entire life, we're very goal-oriented. Yes. And every quarter we uh, get together for a full day with everyone and we establish what goals we want to do this quarter. And then uh, based on our objectives of what we're trying to do, and then we stick to those goals, and no matter what other ideas come in play, we don't we don't we don't adjust them. And that way, we're actually able to physically knock off major milestones on a quarterly basis. So the podcast is in the Sunday maybe list. We just have so many other things we need to tackle um, and do before that happens. I really
0: don't see it happening for several more years. Well, it, it's uh, you definitely are killing it on the blog aspect, which is awesome. So I want to I want to jump over uh, beyond the student tutor business. Let's talk about the other things you have going on. So you've founded a nonprofit, yoga and more in the park, and also even a concert. Tell me how that even came to fruition and how it's going now. It all started when I really like figured myself out.
1: <laughs> Everything just started right then and there. It was really cool. But um, so I went on a trip that summer to Norway, and we were went on a road trip. And we are out in the fjords, and there was this badass highline out there. Highline is, if you don't know what it is, it's this one-inch piece of nylon strung between two pillars, two anchors, two rocks, two trees, over a big, big bit of nothingness. This one was 3,200 feet in the air. Oh. Kristen Kerr is an, uh, uh, is an expert highliner. You have a harness on and stuff, so you're safe. It's still pretty scary. So I went on that, scooted out of my butt, no chance in standing up. But after that, I decided... I want to learn how to slackline so I can eventually highline this. So I went home and I started going to the park every Monday, text a couple friends and set up a slackline between two trees. <laughs> and text a couple more friends, text a couple more friends. Before you know it, people are randomly finding us online through Facebook because so I created a Facebook group and people start showing up. So Paulina, my friend now, like she started bringing hula hoops. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, hula hoops. That's cool. Yeah, get some of our hula hoop friends out here. Then before you know, we have some yogis. It's like, ooh, yoga, I've never heard of this, but this is cool. Yeah, get some more yogis. And it developed to be bigger and bigger. And finally, we graduated to Thursday because, you know, like, we're too cool for Monday. We deserve <laughs> a Thursday. <laughs> so we're now a Thursday group. And I think we're going to be graduating to a Saturday, uh, a once a month Saturday pretty soon as well. Like, So we meet every Thursday now. And it starts off with a yoga class. Um, it's all free. It starts off with yoga class, and after yoga, we have a meditation class, and the meditation uh, branches out to a bunch of aqua yoga, and hula hooping, and slacklining, and now we're starting to get more artists involved, so we have like drawers, and painters, and dancers, and musicians, um, and once a month, we have a big potluck, and the potluck, everyone brings food, and it's basically a community feast where we are trying to help individuals face their fears, step out of their comfort zones, and um, like I said, it revolves around my mission and everything. Stace their fears, revol- um, step out of the comfort zones, and just do what they want in life. And that's our entire group. It's because it's, it's a little bit out there for some people. Not everyone's into yoga or after yoga or slack clients. Some people look at it and go, that's interesting. So what we're trying to do is help people come to this event who've never really experienced this type of community or crowd, where everyone in the community is so genuine and open. There's no clicks. There's none of that that exists. And just learn a little bit about themselves so we're trying to use this group as a movement to help people go after what they want in life.
0: No, and and, you guys and are to, doing a uh, good You guys are doing a good things. approach. It, it's it's awesome and you know, for anybody out there the power of yoga, like yoga is like a drug in itself. I love mm-hmm. yoga and how it makes you feel and the pro- productivity it gives you as well. And when you first started, did you know what it, it can do for you? I mean, did you no. realize how powerful yoga was? No. And um, in meditation specifically. Me- meditation people, too. <laughs> yeah. A lot of
1: people look at meditation and go, ooh, it's like this weird little thing. I'm like, no, meditation is what it actually is. It helps increase your focus. Yes. Yes. So in this day and age, there's so much going around us that when you're at work, 50% of the time, you're thinking about your social life. And when you're hanging out with your friends, you're thinking about your work. What meditation allows you to do through meditation, through practice, and through increasing that focus, you can be at work, be maybe 95% at work. And when you're hanging out with your friends, you're like 95% with your friends, rather than that 50-50 aspect where you're truly not in the present moment ever. And so meditation helps increase that focus so you can be in that present moment. And I never knew any of this when I started slacklining. I think that's why I love slacklining so much is – it is my meditation. It is my focus. It has allowed me to have greater focus and objectives and allowed me to accomplish it better. And I haven't even gotten close to where I want to be through meditation and slacklining yet. And um, that's what the group's about. And it's really cool to help increase that focus, to help learn about yourself.
0: No, and, and you know, it's yeah. very powerful. Anybody out there that think it's like you said, like it's kind of different and everything else, which I've been there. But I mean I do yoga and every single day in the morning, you have my morning ritual working out and then do meditation and it really sets you up and you said it great. I mean it's it's focus. It allows you to focus more and be more creative in your work. Mm-hmm. It, it blows my mind. So tell me, do you have a morning ritual? What does your regular day look like? Yeah, I need to get better at that. That's one of my <laughs> things I'm working on. Um, it usually involves
1: me waking up, I would say, around 7 or so. Um, and then I typically, I sometimes either go for a run in the morning or usually I just come straight to the office. I want to start working out more in the mornings, but I probably do it twice a week. I, try, I strive to do it every day. It doesn't happen all the time. I get to the office typically around 8, 8.30. I usually work throughout the entire day. I then get leave around 6, thirty, seven. Mondays and Wednesdays, I rock climb in the evenings. Uh, Thursdays, I have a yoga event. Tuesday mornings, I run. So, I do try to put some type of exercise in my life daily. The meditation thing, suddenly, I'm really trying to push. I end up doing meditation probably about three times a week. I strive for five. Um, I'm slowly getting there. <laughs> so My routine's not 100% there, um, but I don't know if I ever want to be 100% there. I do like the uncertainty and not knowing and like things changing up a little bit here and there, but routine definitely does help the focus. Um, So it is something I definitely encourage. It's something I'm definitely working on.
0: No, I can say it's very powerful. And even anytime you can get meditation, I do 10 minutes a day and every little bit counts, but it, it does affect your work activity. So beyond yoga, you have an event that you do. Where did that come about?
1: Uh three years ago, I was with my some of my friends. I invited a bunch of friends to this event. I was always hosting events and stuff to get my friends out to go to those places. And it was a rock climbing event. Yeah, and I was with my buddy, and we were drinking. And he was like, "It's the Mundozer jokingly. His last name's Munson. My last name's Van Duser. Yeah. So we blended together Mendozer. and I was like, "Dude, we should make this big next year." <laughs> And he's like, Yeah, right, man. I remember Facebooking and everything, and he didn't even respond. I was like, Fine, dude, I'm gonna make it big. Fine, fine. So <laughs> and then so the next year rolled around, I hadn't plan on it, and then finally like two, three months are there, and I'm hanging out with my entrepreneur group. I meet with them every Tuesday night. And I was like, guys, we should do this event. So I went home that night, created a Facebook event, and invited a bunch of friends, and before you know it, it just somehow blew up. And Got my buddy who runs this company called Endless Entertainment, and I, I persuaded him like, dude, we got to bring your speakers out here. We got to get this generator. And before we know, we had a full on sound system. We had a couple different artists playing music. My, I got my friend who's a really good videographer to like make a little video of it. And we had this epic evening out in the middle of nowhere, like literally, like there's three cars that got stuck. I kid you not, coming to this event, they were like stuck in the mud. Like nice. It was it was pretty funny, and I kind of felt bad for a lot of probably get fixed but the evening nonetheless like the only way to get to it was really to hike to so we had to hike all this equipment in and we had rock climbing it was just a beautiful evening with this dj music just bouncing out in the middle of nowhere um and after that i realized i want to start a festival um and i think that's and then the yoga group started starting shortly after that it started but it started getting bigger and now through this yoga more group we plan on expanding this is just our phoenix hub when I start traveling in about eight months, nine months, we plan on developing new hubs in different cities, and all those hubs are going to meet for our yearly festival. So it's my goal eventually to develop a 50,000-person transformational music festival that centralizes around the theme of helping people step outside of comfort zones, learn about themselves, and really go after what they want in life.
0: You know, that's awesome, and I'm in the process with the other, a dozen other entrepreneurs. We're going to put together a huge entrepreneur event in Iowa which we plan to go across the nation. But my my asking for you is what advice would you give for anybody looking to start an event, their own event, whatever it is, whether it's an entrepreneur event, a yoga festival, what things should they be aware of to make it a successful event? Consistency. Um, So you're not going to just go
1: out and throw a big event and hope people come. I mean, that's great, but you need a following first. You need people who are really uh, – buy into your mission. You gotta create a mission that is more than just the event. It's about something more than that. And people need to buy into it. That's yeah. what people they buy into missions. They buy into beliefs. They buy into the ability to change things. Everyone wants that in their life. Everyone wants to be part of the community. Everyone wants to make differences in lives. So you gotta create that mission, you gotta get people to buy into it. You gotta get people to believe in it. You gotta create that following. Once you create that following, the event will sell itself. They'll tell their friends, their friends will come. And the more people will buy into it, more people will tell. Um, by just throwing advertising, um, you'll get people, but you're not going to get loyal followers. So I suggest set up an event on a weekly basis.
0: I Whatever like that. it is,
1: centralizes and, create, and continue to do that every week. I Eventually, like that. organically. If you want, go ahead and push it a little bit by delivering ads to your target market,
0: and more people will come. But or, over time, you're going to get loyal followers, and those loyal followers will make that event big. Well, I'm excited to see what your event does, and I would love to attend. What is your next one?
1: We're oh, thinking it's going to be um, sometime in March, April, somewhere around there. Nice. Our, our next big one, we do like quarterly retreats and stuff. So we'll probably have one in October, but it was, you know, like 100 people or so. And and then our monthly potlucks, I and mean, we've had as many as 400 people at our events, actually. So Wow. Um, honestly, our weekly events right now get anywhere between 100 and 150 people a week.
0: That's, I mean, that's pretty we have good. Our first,
1: actually, real formal meeting tonight with everyone, so we'll see. Um, I only have I don't I don't make this yoga and more part uh, my number one priority. My number one priority is student tutor and my other things I'm doing. This I just contribute three to four or five hours a week. It's my community service. I call it. It's free. I'm not trying to make money. I'm just trying to give back to the community. Um, so hopefully we can get more people involved that will take on more leadership roles and really, um, push these new events that we want to establish and create.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, be- before I go into, I want to go on a bunch of questions to end off with that really interests me. But first off, you were about to go on a trip and you're going to travel, is it five years and you're going to South America? Is
1: that yeah. Maybe anywhere between three to five years, maybe more. I don't know. Um, What is your mission with
0: that? Share your mission and what your goal is with this uh, traveling. Yeah, so my mission is to spark bright futures.
1: That's the mission of a tutoring company. That's the mission of a yoga group. That's the mission of everything I do in life. The friends I meet, the relationships I build is to help people develop smart goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely and hold them accountable for them. Because what I've realized is many people mix up happiness with pleasure. Many people seek pleasure thinking that's going to bring happiness when happiness is the pursuit of a worthwhile goal. And helping people understand and establish those SMART goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely, that are also lofty, and have them pursue that on a consistent basis for happiness in those individuals' lives. So through this trip, I want to help inspire people to do that. I plan on giving several speeches throughout different high schools across the U.S. I love speaking at high schools. I love talking to these um, um, teenagers. So I'm really going to be doing a lot of that. Um, I also will plan on developing different yoga groups. Um, yoga and more groups is what we call it in different cities, establishing those, getting them up and running. And I also plan to continue to expand our tutoring company um, by developing, doing more, be more on the R&D end um, with research and development of new programs, new services that are all aligned to help spark bright futures with students. But my main objective is to show people that, hey, I had this plan to go on this trip and travel the world and give speeches at different schools and motivate individuals and to create these different yoga groups and to rock climb massive cliffs and to play at music festivals. All these things are in different areas of life that most people in one area would be applaud you just for ta- being talented in one. But through self-efficacy and self-efficacy the believe in yourself that you can do things and through building that self-efficacy and through developing those smart goals while having someone to hold me accountable, I was able to accomplish this and more. And I want to show people that you can do this too. It's not that hard to do and stop chasing that happiness and that pleasure because that's not
0: going to being long-term fulfillment. I, you, you couldn't have said any better, man. I mean you, you laid it out exactly how it is. People, they look for happiness and they a lot of times they're, they're seeking the pleasure or the money involved. But really, if you just enjoy the moment in itself, that, that is the best part of the journey. And You'll see uh, by doing that, you'll be a lot happier person. So mm-hmm. a few questions to end on. Uh, first off, what would be your biggest failure in life? I believe failure allows you to find out who you are as a person and allows you to be more successful in life. Tell me your biggest failure in life, what you learned from it, and how it's helped you. Oh, my biggest failure, that's the hard one. Um had a lot. <laughs> it's good. I mean, you, you learn from your failures. But let's let's say a business failure where it was really a low point in your life, where things didn't go right, but where it really it, it actually taught you something about yourself and allowed you to become more successful. so I'm gonna.
1: Although I'd love to talk about business, I don't think it's my biggest failure. I think my biggest failure would probably be in a relationship I had a long time ago, um, and. It was a relationship I had, I guess we recall, with my first love or something like that, back my sophomore yeah. year, yeah. puppy love, whatever. And I was really into this girl. It was going well. It ended up working out, and then like I was just so immature. My emotions were so all over the place that whenever things would start working out, I'd freak out. And like, if anyone's been I'm sure we we been in a long relationship, you can see where I'm coming from. Oh, exactly, man. The place. You don't know how to control your emotions. You're just like bouncing all over the place in an emotional, right? And so through that, though, after that breakup, I was really down for a really long time. And that's kind of like really where a lot of my uh, self-exploration started, too, with the traveling. I went travel on my own. And I would say I wouldn't really consider it a failure. I wouldn't consider anything in my life a true failure because I'm always learning from it. If you take it and you look at the opportunity from it, so I took that and I took looked at that down times, that rough times, an opportunity to grow, and really take what this girl had said about some of the things that maybe were not as were questionable, not as I guess like the right things to do in my life, and really take them and look at them and figure out what did I really want, like what who was I really, and um, I think. Failing in a relationship, and I was young, so it's not really a failure. I wouldn't call it that, really, but it was something that didn't work out because of my part and because of the things I I did or whatever, and I learned a lot from that, and I grew a lot from it, and um, I would say that would be uh,
0: probably the best failure in my life. You you Um, know, and that's – I can relate to that. I've had many in relationships where – Considered failure, they didn't work out, but you learn a lot about yourself, and it does make you stronger mm-hmm. as a human being. And the reason why I always ask on the show is because I've found out that people, and I don't even consider it a failure. Failure is a bad word. It, but I say it's a stepping stone towards your success. But when people they have something that doesn't go right, they learn something about their self and usually they come out better than ever. Absolutely, but I would say, yeah. You gotta embrace failures because every single time
1: I've had a relationship not work out, a business plan not work out, um, just I did something wrong. If you look at it from the right angle, you're gonna learn and you're gonna grow. And if you learn from it, you're gonna be one step ahead of everyone else. I can't tell you how many times I failed, but the reason I fail so much is because I put myself out there so much. Yes, and when you're constantly putting yourself out there, get ready to fail a ton. Yes. Because the truth is, like I like to say, is I think I'm 100% right all the time. I go into everything saying I am 100% right. I go into everything I th- say, every single thing I do with confidence that I'm 100% right. With the knowledge that I'm probably wrong 70% of the time. That's... And <laughs> going through the confidence of knowing I'm right, but then if someone says something, you hear something, switching a gear, and go, you're right and you learn from that. And I think that's the way a lot of people should live their lives. Go into it thinking you're right but knowing that you're not, and I know that's kind of contradictory, but no, you have I, to fake it till so you make
0: it. I, that's so true, and I, I practice that because if you don't – if you have any kind of okay. – where uh, you, you think you can't do something or you're no, doubting no. yourself, you, it really affects how, how well you achieve your goals. So if you go into it knowing – I mean convincing yourself that you're going to do it, then you have a much higher rate of success. And like you said, I mean if it doesn't work, then hey, just learn from that. Yes. So, okay, let's two more questions. The first one would be interesting to hear from you. What would be the top three books that you would suggest to other young entrepreneurs? So, number one is going to be Identity Code. That's a book that changed my life. Um, it is a
1: book on figuring out who you are and what you want um, and truly figuring out who you are as a person. It's not a really popular book, it's a book I randomly found and I love. Um, another book would be called Traction. Traction is a book on being goal oriented and being uh, developing, uh, you know, quarterly goals, developing systems within your business so the business can run itself. And that's how our business runs. I can confidently say I could leave right now for several months, and the business will continue to run. It'll continue to grow. It'll continue to bring us money, and um, it'll continue to influence lives. And that's because we've developed systems and processes around the way things operate and have a strong foundation as far as mission and core values go. Um, And that book provides a lot of insight to that. The third one I would recommend is Get It Done by David Allen. Get It Done is a book on organization and productivity, and he puts it in a way that makes it very easy to be organized and productive. And being organized and productive is extremely important through the execution of business processes and execution of established things. And execution is key to being successful. So being by being organized, having good goals in place, as well as really knowing yourself, which I think is I can't say enough, the most important thing, um, I would recommend those are
0: my uh, top three books. Awesome books, man. I need to check it out. And lastly, what would be the top three tips you would give to other young entrepreneurs out there for success? What are ultimate tips to give them to become successful?
1: Absolutely. So like the first one, like I stated before, is consistency and focus. I think that's key to make any business successful. It's like – Being consistent and focused on a clear objective and a clear niche. Don't be jumping around. It's very easy for entrepreneurs to jump around because we're full of ideas. So it's very, very important to be goal-focused. Establish your goals once a year. Figure out what your long-term goals are. Figure out what you want to do that year. Figure out what you want to do that quarter and stick to it. Don't let any idea, I don't care if it's a million-dollar idea, I don't care if someone comes up to you and says, hey, we do this, we're going to make a million dollars. We're going to do this, we're going to change this. Don't change. Don't adjust your focus. Put that into someday maybe and look at it your next quarter. Every quarter, set objectives of what you want to do that quarter and do not move from that. Be focused and consistent and follow through with those tasks. Like myself, I'm an 80-20% man. I complete things 80% of the time. I'm trying to fix that and I make sure I s- surround myself with employees who carry on that 20%. Because as an entrepreneur, if you're a visionary, if you're an entrepreneur, you have these ideas, they're going to come to you all the, all the time. But the key is not acting on all of
0: them. Being focused on your objectives. That's so true. And to add to that, I mean, writing your goals down and setting mini goals that lead up to your large goal. Because a lot of people set a big goal and they don't really – it it doesn't happen. They need to do smaller goals along the way which build up to that huge success. And I'm right now doing a 100-day goal. And every day I write down what I've achieved and what I'm going to achieve and then do 10-day sprints where I'm actually achieving big goals throughout the process. But if you don't do that, and the most successful people in this world, they do this. And you know it. You have to write this down and make them very specific goals so you can measure them, measure your success, and know where you need to be. So mm-hmm. very powerful. Any any other tips you can give? Start. I guess that would be a pretty um... – universal
1: one through entrepreneurs is yeah start like what do you mean by start i mean start like just whatever go whatever it means start. starting create a website uh go to the side of the street to sell a product do whatever it means to start and realize um i like the third one so i watched started watching this show prison break which i highly recommend you don't watch because it's absolutely horrible <laughs> but I I, I I once i start watching a show i get addicted i have this addictive personality shows that's why i never watch them and I went over to my sister's house, and she had it on, and I got addicted, and before I know I'm watching the entire freaking seasons. And what I think I liked about Prison Break is how, even though how dumb it was, the fact that it was really like, like how does this keep happening? Like, he keeps on getting out of everything by coming up with a solution to the problems. But I like the metaphor behind it, and I think by watching that show, it actually had a little benefit in my life, besides wasting hundreds of my hours watching TV, which I highly <laughs> do not recommend, like I said. I get addicted to shows. Right now, I'm watching none, luckily. But um, oh
0: man! So,
1: but one thing I really took away from this show and it really nailed down in my head after a while of going this show is so dumb, but I'm addicted. Is he always figured out a solution? And I can't tell you, like, I really took that from the show, and I've actually really started applying it more to my life. Is things come at you all? Always- and like bam you hit in the head again bam hit in the head again things are going great you're flying you're flying all of a sudden someone starts shooting at you you gotta freaking dodge that bullet and there's always a solution and that's what I've realized that's what I learned from rock climbing too is like you can be in the most difficult situation and any and there's always a way out I don't know how it happens I don't know what it is um I don't know I think it's somewhat magical honestly I think it's something that's and you sound voodoo voodoo, but I don't think really science can really explain it. How is it that there's always a solution? And you just gotta realize that there's always a way out of things. There's always a way to figure things out. And if you can take that and realize that there's always a way to figure it out.
0: I think that's really big. That's a good thing. That that, that is so true, man. That yeah. <laughs> there's a solution to everything. You just gotta figure out how to overcome them obstacles. Exactly. Exactly. Any last thoughts that you would give to young entrepreneurs? Start getting educated. That's another one.
1: Follow a couple blogs. Um, I really like Quick Sprouts on content marketing. I think it's a new type of marketing. Um, he provides a really, really good quality content of insight. Um, start reading that. Uh, get more involved with friends. Um, people always say, make sure you're surrounding yourself with individuals you want to become. So um, start getting involved with more entrepreneurs. Um, putting yourself out there. You need to feel like you're behind. It's very important to feel like you're behind. I surround myself with people that I feel like I'm behind. Exactly. Um, because when you feel like you're behind, it urges you to push forward. It urges you to work harder that day. If you feel like you're ahead, you're gonna get behind real quick. So make sure you're always feeling behind.
0: That's so true. You have some good stuff there, man. And you know, I need to find my I need to make my way down to Arizona. I was there a month and a half ago, two months ago, and I'd love to sit down with you and just I mean, we could talk forever because the way you answer things, it's exactly how I look at life. And you got to surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Now, yes. before yeah. we go, I want you to tell everyone where can they find you if either for getting advice or tutoring or for anything else that you're doing. Yeah, so I have a personal website, Todd Van du-
1: um, So you can just um, type that in. Uh, our tutoring company is named Student Tutor. Um, but probably the best way of finding me would be ToddVanduzer.com and links out to everything else that um, I run and do. And shoot me an email. Like honestly, like that's another thing. Like, you know, I scratch one of those tips, and the one tip I still struggle with to this day, and um, I need to do more often, is ask for freaking help. <laughs> like seriously, don't pretend you don't know it all and ask for help. Like people want to help you. Just go up to them like, hey, dude, I need help with this. And so you listening to this, if you need help with something. It's on the table. Ask for it. I'm not going to reach out to you. I'm not going to bug you. You're going to have to put the effort towards it. And with anyone, you're going to have to put the effort. If I don't respond, email me again. If I don't respond, email me again. If I still don't respond, freaking email me again. Like be persistent. I've done this with so many people. Like the co-founder of Infusionsoft created a $650 million company. I want him to speak at our event. I emailed him like three or four times. Finally, he agreed. And so it's like persistence. Ask for help. People want to help you. Maybe they get busy in
0: times, and they may not respond doesn't mean you should stop. Just keep going for it. It's per, not going to hurt to help. That's fast. so persistence is big because when you get big names, I mean, I get 100 emails a day, and you know sometimes life just gets in the way, so just be persistent, and eventually they will answer. Yes, yes. Well, hey man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You gave a lot of great advice to my audience and definitely want to meet you sometime. In right. the meantime, everyone, That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Now go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I really enjoyed having Todd Van Duser on the show. It was a lot of fun talking with him. Please check out his website toddvanduzer.com learn more about him what he's doing he speaks he's traveling all over the world and also check out his other site student-tutor.com that's www.student-tutor.com and if you need any tutoring or any kind of advice you want to check that out this kid is a genius i seriously i wish i would have had him in college because you guys all know when i was a freshman i got a 1.68 gpa About dropped out. I could have used this kid to help me get through college and get some good grades. But check all that out. And also, before I go, I just want to say I got a lot of people on my team right now for this awesome Young Entrepreneur Convention. But I'm still looking for some more people. I'm looking for some interns and people that are willing to create one of the greatest events this country has seen. We're building our team. We have a mastermind group right now. But if you're interested, please Send me an email with who you are, what value you can bring, and a resume to brandon at brandontadams.com. That's brandon at brandontadams.com. I'm looking for some motivated, successful people that want to conquer the world and help make this the greatest event this country has seen. Send that to me, and hey, maybe you'll be on our team. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Until the next time, go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.